0: What is going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of My Xbox and My Two Dads. I'm one of your hosts, Snowbike Mike, and of course, these are my two dads, Paris Lilly and Gary Witta. No, I'm just teasing. You're back for another episode of the kind of funny Xcast. You're home for all things Xbox, Gary Witta. I'm looking at you. How are you feeling today? How are you looking?
1: I'm feeling good. I'm always happy to be uh, here with you, fine fellows, talking about video games. The one constant. Mike, the one constant in my life, ever since I was like 10 years old, I've had different careers. I've had different jobs. I've had different partners, people come friends, come and go in your life. Video games have marked the time. Video games have been the constant. They've never abandoned me. I will never abandon them. Video games.
0: <laughs> I like that positivity <laughs> right there, Gary. And you know, we love talking about video games. We love sharing the enthusiasm. And one guy I love hearing talk about video games is our good friend, Paris Lily, Paris, how are you doing today?
2: Oh, I'm doing fantastic. It has been quite the week already. So uh, how how have you been, friend? (laughs) I'm
0: doing really well. Thank you, Paris. It has been quite the week. And guess what? We are recording early. We're going to be recording here live on a Wednesday. This still will post to all of you out there. But, you know, we're kind of in the middle of the week. And it's been a busy week, is right, Paris. A whole lot of fun to talk about. And uh, what I'm really excited about is our brand new, new recurring segment called What's on Display Behind Phil Spencer and What Could It Mean. (laughs) All right, you two, buckle up, because I got a fun one for you. For episode number one, is Phil Spencer and Xbox buying Kojima Productions or Nintendo? Oh, my gosh. Well, when we take a look at the photo, of course, featured in the latest Phil Spencer appearance, his shelves contained a Nintendo Switch and the Luden's mascot statue for Kojima Productions which has the internet stirring over what crazy conclusion we all could jump to from his backdrop. Now we know Team Xbox has had a lot of fun secretly hiding different items in announcements that would be revealed later on, like the Xbox Series S, the new Xbox wireless headphones, and of course, Todd Howard with the Indiana Jones statue. So, Paris gary what could this mean is he buying nintendo is kojima coming over to create some sort of crazy video game give me your crazy conclusions Paris. hit me with it
2: okay so i love conspiracy steve i love doing (laughs) conspiracy steve with with things like this so when i saw what phil spencer had no i i didn't buy into the nintendo thing but when we saw that that statue behind him my mind started to wonder and we already know Microsoft has been acquiring different studios. They acquired a publisher and all that. So I, I always, and, and I do this with, with my good friend Danny Pena, which I'll, I'll bring up in just a second. We love to play this game called What If. So my What If to him was What If that statue actually means that Microsoft is going to acquire Konami to get the Metal Gear IP? All the Metal Gear games immediately go up on Game Pass. And instead of, getting kojima's new studio they go to kojima and go hey here's the keys make whatever metal gear you want metal gear 6 whatever you want to call it there you go that that's my conspiracy steve when i saw it look none of that's going to happen but it's great to have those conspiracies and then when i told danny pena he immediately poo-pooed all he goes nah that's not going to happen you're crazy you don't know what you're talking about but i want a dream and that's my dream by seeing that statue of phil so i'm going to stick to it until i prove proven wrong
0: Danny just doesn't understand no, the jump to conclusions, okay? We're <laughs> jumping to crazy conclusions here, Danny Pena, and we're having fun with it. That is farther than I ever thought. I like that pair, so you taking it <laughs> yeah. one extra step, going that extra mile. And uh, that would be some crazy stuff right there. Of course, Metal Gear Solid handing the keys over to Kojima would be pretty, pretty special there. And, of course, the Game Pass bolstering that roster. You know what? That's not a bad, crazy jump to conclusion. I like that. Now, Gary... You're coming up after Paris, It went super crazy. I need you to go even crazier, okay? Out the park, that's, crazy. I was to
1: say it's a tough act to follow. I actually had all my thoughts prepared for this. I had my ducks in a row, and then Paris comes along and just fucking blows up the place with this Konami stuff, and it just. I'm now I'm all at. I don't know. I'm all at sixes and sevens. I got to like gather my thoughts here because that was a big deal. Um, but he, but what's fascinating about that? Like, it's not that crazy with the Konami stuff because they're not those those franchises are just gathering dust on a shelf. You know, anyone who follows video games knows, right, that Konami has basically gotten out of the video games business. They got out a while ago. They, they figured out there's a lot more money to be made in amusement arcades mm-hmm. and pachinko parlors and things like that. And those are the, the games that they make now. There's simply more money there. So they pivoted their entire business model. So the sad fact is if you're a video game fan, let's say you're a fan of, say, Silent Hill, the only way you could play a, have a Silent Hill type experience right now is to go to Las Vegas and play a Silent Hill slot machine. Yeah. That's 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 it for you. And you know, and, and some of the other franchises that they own have been turned into pachinko and slots and you know, kind of basically gambling machines because there's a lot of money in that business. And fair play to Konami, that that that's their prerogative. There's you know, if their money if their company can make more business doing that, that's great. On a creative level, of course, for gamers, it's a very sad thing that not just Metal Gear, but Silent Hill. And Castlevania. I mean, there's you know, and there's many others that I'm not even thinking of. Konami have all these AAA A prestige franchises, like real landmark franchises in the history of gaming, that are all just now um, sitting around. On the on the other side, what's a, what's a major uh, uh, console platform out there that could pro- that, that could maybe use a few more triple uh, A franchises in its exclusive portfolio? I mean, you know, the the two pieces actually kind of fit together. Microsoft, Konami clearly likes money. It's why they pivoted. These franchises are sitting there. They could, they could, they could structure a deal in such a way that Konami could still make the Metal Gear Pachinko machines if they wanted to. Microsoft would just make the video games. Suddenly, it's now. Now it's. Now, we just talked about how it's compelling. I know. Look, again, I'm going to say this is all bullshit. It's all pie in the sky, but it's very <laughs> compelling pie in the sky. This Is the kind of stuff we like to speculate about. This is the kind of shit that podcasts are made of. Is talking about this kind of stuff. Um, we talked on a recent show about what a, an amazing. Uh, who it was for Microsoft to buy Bethesda, because they added, if they do go exclusive, which, which you know we're all assuming that they will, they added not just one but several AAA uh, game title IPs to their portfolio: Doom, uh, Fallout, Elder Scrolls, Wolfenstein. You've got um, uh, the the sci-fi one coming as well. His name what's what's the name of it? Paris? Star, Star-, Star- Starfield. Starfield. So. You know they bought they, they 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 added this whole roster of of, uh, of first party titles now because that's what they'll be to their uh, to their portfolio. If they were to pick up Konami and you add Metal Gear and Castlevania and Silent Hill and some of the other uh, Konami uh, franchises to that portfolio, and then the true romantic ideal that Paris also touched on—the idea of a Kojima homecoming. Because, you know, they didn't part in, on good terms, right? No, I'm sure Kojima didn't. would that, love that's to That's what made back.
2: me think about it, yeah. What that's... a
1: great fuck you to Konami yeah. that yeah. would be. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> then to come back and make a new Metal Gear on his own terms. I mean, who wouldn't want to see that? That would be the biggest gaming story, not just of the year, but in years. That would be massive, massive. And Microsoft's one of the few companies in the world that could pony up enough dough to do it. The Nintendo things, obviously, that is pie in the sky. You know, we all know the story. <laughs> that there was an oral history of the launch of the original Xbox that came out recently where Steve Ballmer actually did send executives to Nintendo to see if they'd be open to an acquisition. They got laughed out of the room, just as they would be laughed out of the room today. I think Nintendo is one of the few companies in the world, maybe the only company that that would net, for no amount of money would ever sell themselves to a larger company, Apple, Amazon, Facebook, ExxonMobil, Saudi Aramco, you name the biggest companies in the world. There's no amount of money you could roll up to the table that Nintendo would ever sell themselves to another company. It's just not in their culture, I don't think. Um, Konami, though, man, they actually, we speculate about crazy shit all the time, but the Konami <laughs> stuff is low-hanging fruit. Those yeah. franchises are just sitting there, and Microsoft need, needs games like that, right? So I don't know, it actually makes a lot of sense. So, okay, let's 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 put that aside for one more because that is very compelling. In terms of the larger picture, I do I, I love this idea that ever since Phil, I know he's done it a few times now, but the one that really got everyone's attention was last year when we found out that there was actually an Xbox Series S sitting on his bookshelf that whole time. Because it just looks like a white rectangle, right? Who knew? But it was there the whole time, and that was just like a fun little reveal. Of course, since that happened, now every time we see Phil's bookshelves, everyone's, you know, doing the CSI enhance that you know like can you zoom in on that quadrant over there what's that over there and everyone's having a lot of fun with that so i can't, now I I can't wait
3: that. until we find out after a year that this portrait right here is actually the xbox one <laughs> z it's gonna be
1: fucking wild
2: y'all yeah, yeah, yeah
1: so i mean and it's all part of the fun and i'm sure Phil's happy to play along with it i'm sure he does in all seriousness though now have to put some thought about what is visible on his shelf behind him because even if it's something innocent he doesn't want, you know, people, you know, maybe it's fun sometimes to kind of lead people down the garden path, but other you know, other times, you know, you don't want people to get the wrong idea. So I'm sure that Phil Spencer at this point has probably got the most curated Zoom background of anyone in the <laughs> business, because now we know that there are these hidden clues. And again, that's all part of the fun. Um, man, I can't, stop. I'm going to be thinking about this Konami stuff all week now. It's
2: crazy as it is. It makes a lot of sense. Well, I mean, think of it this way. And again, we're we're just having fun with it. I'm not saying this is going to happen. But you even added another wrinkle to it, Gary, in that it's not that Microsoft would even need to 100% acquire Konami. They could literally work out a deal to where, hey, we want your IPs. You continue to do all the pinko machines and all that stuff you want. We'll make the actual video games for it. You give that to us. They obviously work out some financial agreement and you just go from there but what did make me think about this is like you said was was the Kojima FU to, to Konami oh. by being able to make another metal gear again i'm like how what what would be the incentive for microsoft to want to work with kojima i mean you know death stranding aside it's metal gear that's what he is known for and he can't make those games anymore what better way to bring him home, so to speak, than to acquire the Metal Gear IP, reach out to Kojima say, hey, you still do whatever it is you want to do, but if you want to make a Metal Gear game, we own the IP now, go nuts with it. We it won't would also interfere, be, make it.
1: It would also be kind of a fuck you from Microsoft to Sony, because I know if, all, <laughs> yeah, if you, if you go it. all the way back to the roots, right? Yeah. Metal Gear obviously started as a, a MSX and a, a Nintendo franchise, yep. the original Metal Gear, but Metal Gear Solid, that was a PlayStation game. And even though the Metal Gear games over over time um, migrated to become multi-platform titles, when you think Metal Gear, if you associate that with one platform, you probably think PlayStation, right? Because Metal Gear Solid was was a, was one of the first big PlayStation system sellers. So for that game to become a mic to become an Xbox exclusive, which you know theoretically it could,
2: man, that would be a big move. I, and again, oh, I know
1: it's nuts, but it's so much about
2: and even think less than triple A. Think on a double A level. Konami still owns Contra, correct? They still have the rights yeah, to that. Yeah, I think I they have a ton of cool stuff. I would love to see Contra come back, just as the side-scrolling, you know, shooter that that it's always been, going back to its uh, NES days. I mean, modernize that, bring it back. You stick that on Game Pass as an example. That's a nice double A game that people can play. You know, do some online co-op with it as well, and you, you could have a lot of fun with that. So, look, I know it's crazy. But if there was any conspiracy that I would love to see come true, and like you're saying, Gary, it would actually make a lot of sense. It would be Konami and and grabbing those IPs. I do believe PlayStation has some agreement with Silent Hill, I think. But beyond that, the rest of those IPs, like you said, Konami's not doing anything with them, and so why
1: not? That's that's the key. That's what makes it less pie in the sky than any of these other kind of conjectural things that we love to jump on and speculate about. They're just sitting there, and they have been for years, and Konami's content to be doing this other thing. But if Konami's a, a business is all about making money, which clearly they are, because pivoting into Pachinko and amusement yeah. arcades is they decided there's more money in, in that area... Why, why, why leave this money on the table? They're yeah. leaving money on the table. Microsoft could do a deal. So just give us the video game rights. You can have everything else. We'll take the video game rights. And it could, it could be a 10-year deal. Have to, they don't have to like own it, but it would be exclusive to their platform. I hope Phil Spencer's listening. I hope
2: he is too. I hope
0: he's listening. <laughs> That's right. Baird. I'll ask you to bring up the photo one last time as I put on my tinfoil hat. Now, I'm going to put some crazy Charlie Day you know, strings and linking together right now. <laughs> and I'm going to start off with Phil. You're looking great in that Patagonia t- jacket right there. Nice puffy coat, but what's on the side? Xbox Game Pass. And then as we take a look all around his shelves, what's that behind his head? Is that an Ubisoft Watch Dogs Legion statue? Ubisoft coming to Game Pass, throwing it out there, just like EA Play. Then coming back to the Kojima production statue. Death Stranding making its way onto Game Pass. Up at the top, Nintendo, and what looks to be a Connect 4 statue, Connect 4 nintendo game pass don't know where i went with that but you know what i'm thinking about connect for now those are my crazy ideas exclusive nick and andy are coming to game pass
1: (laughs) in all in all in all in all seriousness because we're having fun with this but in all seriousness like paris how much how deliberate do you think is that background like the, the the things that phil's chosen to be put in the background is that just shit that he likes in his room or is there is there more going on do you think
2: i i think it's a combination of both i think he clearly has to be self-aware at this point that anything he has on that shelf, it's gonna be analyzed. So right. maybe it's a combination of him having, just having some fun with with people uh, checking out his, his shelf. And it's probably a combination of, there there may be some hints in there. Like what you just said, Mike, with the Ubisoft thing. I know, look, I know we're, we're really reaching, but <laughs> hey, Ubisoft coming to Game Pass has been rumored for a while. And, and it makes a lot of sense if, if it ultimately does come. So why not, you know? Makes sense to me. Well, thank you both for playing in our first ever reoccurring
0: segment. What's on display behind Phil Spencer. I'm sure we'll be talking about that more along with the internet. That was a fun way to get the show started. But of course, this is the kind of funny X cast. We post each and every Saturday at 6 a.m. West coast, best coast time on youtube.com slash kind of funny games, roosterteeth.com and on podcast services all around the globe, please make sure to subscribe to youtube.com slash kind of funny games, leave a like, share it with all your friends and whatever podcast service you're on, leave us a review. Let us know what you think of the show. Help us boost up those charts. So me, Paris and Gary and Barrett and the team of kind of funny, can know that you love the show. Of course, we'd like to thank our Patreon producers for the month of February. Graham of legend, David Mintel, Trevor Starkey, Elliot, Patrick Higgins, James Hastings, Caitlin Katie Gallacher, Sancho West Gaming, Shy Jackson Burgess, Alex J. Sandoval, Julian the Gluten Free Gamer, Man Bear Paradox, Talia Floyd, Civilian Soldier, Mizuki, Trent Berry, Kevin Bogies, whoops, Kevin Boges, my apologies, Joy, Tyler Ross, Jesse the Decrypted, James Davis Makes, and the Nanobiologist. This week's episode of The Kind of Funny X is sponsored by ExpressVPN and Upstart, but. I'll tell you all about that later. Let's jump into some more news. Let's jump into some more crazy rumors that could be coming our way very, very soon. Guys, I'm hearing through the grapevine that we might be getting a Bethesda event very, very soon. So here's the rundown. (laughs) During the latest Games Beat the Sides podcast on February 19th, Jeff Grubb was asked if he thinks Microsoft will have an announcement slash event regarding Bethesda's future within Xbox when the deal is official. His answer, yes. Quote, once the deal closes, they will talk about it in a big way. He went on to say, I don't know if it will be a full direct style event, but they will make note of it and they will talk about it extensively and they will explain what it means to everybody. End quote. Guys, of course, Jeff Grubb is a trusted industry insider along with friend of the show. So what up, Jeff Grubb? I'm sure you're watching. You're the coolest dude. Guys, what does this mean? What do we think of his statement? Do we think it's true? What is it going to look like? What will we get out of this? Gary Witter, I'll go to you first. Do we think that Bethesda will host an event with Xbox here in sometime in mid-March after the ink dries?
1: Look, when Jeff Grubb's not getting Captain Player Unknown's Battlegrounds for trying to scream me, He does. He does uh, I'll, I'll never let him forget that. The clips on my YouTube channel, go check it out. He does uh he does drop some uh some good scoops. Um, I listen. I mean, it makes it makes sense to me. If for no other reason other than you know, it's it it has to happen, right? Sooner or later, we, we Microsoft needs to present some clarity on the Bethesda situation. It's a, again a huge, huge move. Four, five, and obviously more to come. Big, big, big uh, beloved game franchises coming into the Microsoft fold. The minute it happened, you know, we talked about it immediately. You know, when when the news dropped. Uh, on XCast, does this mean they're going to be uh, exclusive or not? Like, what's the business strategy here? There's a case to be made, you know, for making some of these games available on other platforms. There's obviously a very strong case to be made for for making them Xbox exclusives going forward. And we just don't know. We don't. We're not privy to all the galaxy brain shit that's going on at the Phil Spencer level in terms of the overall strategy here. But we all really want to know. It's probably one of the biggest unanswered questions in you know the Xbox fandom right now um and you know it's the time is coming i think hopefully very soon when we're going to see uh some clarity we all want to know what the future of these bethesda titles uh is going to be here's the thing the ironic thing is the pe- the people that are probably most interested in this are not xbox gamers they're playstation <laughs> gamers and nintendo <laughs> gamers because they're yeah. like they we know we're like xbox gamers we're sitting pretty right we know we're all good like we're getting the games no matter what our only questions are other people getting them too i don't care whether they do or not but like playstation gamers are like shit I, f- I love Elder Scrolls, or I love Doom, or I love Wolfenstein, or I love um, uh, Fallout. Am I going to have to go get an Xbox to play these games going forward, or at least get a Game Pass? subscription to play them on my pc or get you know get one of these game Passes. yeah honestly I'm, I'm glad i invested about. into
3: a pc recently just in <laughs> case you know yeah <laughs> yeah
1: so that's the thing so we're we have the luxury of knowing that we're taking care of no matter what it's the playstation gamers you should be a bit nervous right now if they're a fan of uh, bethesda tiles because this could still go either way we all have our opinions but the reality is we don't really know what microsoft's going to say in terms of the um uh it may, it may it may be something that surprises us so it's like maybe it's more nuanced than just all of these titles will be exclusive or all of them won't be it could it could be something we know that the end of the indiana jones game they're developing for example will probably be carved out under a separate arrangement than the, th- the first party stuff that bethesda owns outright um but it you know i guess once they announce this we're gonna have to find something else to blow via about on the podcast because we've spent a lot of time to maybe we'll just talk about konami until that sorts there itself out because the Bethesda thing has been one of the biggest unanswered questions in the Xbox one in the gaming world uh, for a while now, because again, all these other uh, uh, gamers on other platforms are really curious to know what the future is going to hold for these, for these franchises that, uh, uh, that we all love so much. So I'm, uh, yeah, I'm hoping sooner rather than later, we're going to see a big uh, event that is going to answer some of these questions that we've been asking for so long.
0: Paris, I'll go to you next. When Gary talks about, Yeah. He thinks this will happen. And, you know, is it a big blowout? Will it be a direct slash PlayStation state of play smaller event? Do we expect maybe just a podcast with, of course, our guy, Phil Spencer and Todd Howard do maybe we expect something similar to what we were going to see with the Xbox series S reveal before that got leaked to everybody. What do you imagine in your mind being an event of this nature?
2: All right. So let's just pretend that Jeff Grubb is correct. Right. And that this is going to happen at some point in March because the deal is about to close soon. So, look, you know, again, conspiracy, Steve, I like like to think about this stuff. Um, My thought on it is, of course, they would do it right away because they want to set expectations as soon as possible. So as soon as the ink dries, you want to get out in front of this and let everybody know if these games are going to be exclusive. Let people know now, you know, you know, people, some people are going to be upset about it. Give them time to get over it so you can move on or vice versa. They're not exclusive. People are going to be upset. Give them time to get over it. Move on, right? So I do think there is some urgency to kind of get out there and, and get ahead of the conversation so you can control the message. I just envision something as simple as you have an event where, and I don't even call it an event, you basically have a, a, a video chat. Maybe Phil Spencer intros it for a few minutes. And then he literally hands it off to Pete Hines and let Pete Hines tell the story of Bethesda because Bethesda as an entity is not going away. We already know that. So Bethesda is still going to be Bethesda. Pete Hines has been the face of Bethesda, God, almost 20 years at this point, right? So let him be the one to tell the story of how they're now part of the Xbox family and what, as people that love Bethesda games, what they can expect moving forward, right? Then maybe at the end, you end it with a teaser. We finally get to see what Starfield is. Now you bring Todd Howard out. Todd Howard gets to talk about that. And you end it from there. And then maybe Phil comes back at the end or whoever's going to be the representative from Microsoft to say, and more information about Bethesda titles this summer when they have their quote unquote E3 event, right? And then that's when you can talk about everything Bethesda is doing along with the other uh, Xbox game studios as well. That way, now we know starting in March. Yep. All these games are be exclusive or no they're not going to be. Social media can argue and everyone can brag and high five about who was right and who was like I'm telling you right now, if they're not exclusive, I expect my Twitter feed to be filled with you were wrong and you are so wrong. Th- that's going to I already know it and I'm ready for it. But um yeah, I, I I do think there is some merit to to what Jeff said, and it just makes sense because you you want to get out in front of it. You don't want this question to linger on because the longer it lingers on, the more like if if they weren't to answer this now, as an example, and they waited until this summer, no one's going to care about Halo Infinite. No one's going to care about any of these other titles. Every time someone sits down with an interview with somebody from Xbox, their first question is going to be about Bethesda. And do you really want Whatever their big game showcase uh, is going to be to be all about Bethesda, of course you don't. You would rather people already know the expectations so that when you start integrating a Wolfenstein three, as an example, or you show Starfield or you tease out Elder Scrolls six, it's just a natural part of, of their game showcase versus. We got to have we have to set expectations for Bethesda and we have to spend the majority of our time explaining to everyone why we made the decisions we made with Bethesda. Like, look, again, I hope Phil Spencer or someone's watching this. I would love if they do do some type of Bethesda event right after that Bethesda event. Come talk to us. I, I would love someone from Microsoft or Pete Hines from Bethesda to come talk to us and then extend that conversation. So so we literally can just get Get it all out there on the table now versus keep speculating and you have people like me with Conspiracy Steve, all all this wild speculation on what they're going to do. In other words, get out in front of it, let us know what you plan to do with the Bethesda titles, and then we can move on.
0: Yeah, really well said there, Paris. And it will be interesting of like, what does this moment look like, right? If, if we do have an event and nothing is said about exclusivity, are you trying to play into the minds of everyone out there to keep the right. peace and keep it civil? Or are we going to come out and actually throw down the hammer and say, "Hey, this is where we are"? Because, like you said, how long can we really continue to ask the same question? Right? We want to talk yeah, about yeah. video games. We want to talk about the future, but that's going to be question number one. And man, Gary, what could they? Are they trying to save the goodwill of the people and avoid that conversation as long as possible, or do they need to come out in your mind? Do they have to say something about this? I mean, I, I, I you know, it's it's been out there, it's lingering
1: for a while. This big unanswered question, and you know, Microsoft's going to answer that question and bring clarity to the situation whenever they think it's like most strategically advantageous to them to do so. We can just hope that's going to be sooner uh, rather than later as, as uh, Jeff Grubb is predicting in terms of what is actually going to happen. I know that, We've all had different views here. I know that Paris kind of planted his flag, you know, on the exclusivity side very, very early. I actually started on the other side of this. I was like, oh, no, it makes sense to put it on all platforms because there's too much money to be made in the Sony and PlayStation and Sony and Nintendo markets, you know, make those games available to everyone. Um, and then I kind of fluctuated back the other way. And now more on the side, of, no, of course, it makes sense to be exclusive because that's the big question that people always point to. Microsoft, What? where are your exclusive games? to you know how how do you match Sony's portfolio with your portfolio again if they make those games exclusive Bethesda solves that problem for them in one fell swoop and then some it's a huge huge win for them I'm still on the side of that but I but I'm still making some room for the idea that maybe they could have the best of both worlds make the games available on all platforms you could make the argument that it could backfire for Microsoft that that that, that pulling them up, pulling games that have historically also appeared on PlayStation and Switch and other platforms Away from them could be seen as an anti, you know, consumer anti-gamer move. It could blow up in their faces. Um, so they could possibly make that. Maybe that. Maybe there's a middle ground where they continue to make the games available on all platforms and hoover up all that money from Sony and Nintendo uh, players at the same time saying yeah but xbox is still where you want it because it's going to be folded into game pass it's still the best way to come get these games so maybe there's a best of both world scenario i still lean towards exclusivity but again i feel like there's there's that you know it's never as simple as like one thing or the other there might there might be something in the middle
2: If I could lean into what you just said uh, for just a second. So um, and I don't know, maybe maybe it's my own arrogance or vanity or something. But I went back (laughs) and watched the uh, the YouTube video I did when all this went down in September of about Bethesda and what I said. And it reminded me at that time. And I think this still applies right now. I think no matter what they do. Because I try to put myself in the position of if I was Satya Nadella and Phil Spencer was saying, hey, we need to spend $7.5 billion, I would say, why? What's what's the incentive to Microsoft to do so? What is Xbox in the business of right now? Right? They're in the Game Pass business, whether they want to fully admit it or not. That's what it's about. They want you subscribing to that subscription service so you can be invested into your ecosystem long-term, right? If I'm Microsoft and I'm Xbox, Bethesda lives wherever game pass lives so if there was some magical world where game pass eventually showed up on nintendo on a playstation platform then bethesda games will be there too but since we know that's not going to happen ever if definitely not anytime soon that means it's going to show up on xbox hardware it's going to show up on the on a windows 10 pc it's going to show up on mobile devices and like like you've been saying gary It is going to show up on TV apps, smart TV apps. That's where Game Pass is going to be. So if I'm Xbox and I'm doing this huge acquisition, that's where all my games are going to be too. I'm not, look, there's always going to be some exceptions to the rules. Some one-off games like Minecraft Dungeons, as an example, really comes to mind when I think of that. Or Cuphead or Ori, where you will see some games like that show up on another platform. But my big heavy hitters, my big AAA titles... There is no way Starfield shows up on anything that does not have Game Pass associated with it. And I I understand the concern with legacy titles like Elder Scrolls and Fallout. But same thing, I'm I'm, look, the old games will continue to, to be on PlayStation and everywhere else. But anything new. You're putting that on Game Pass and you're putting that in the Xbox ecosystem. And I'll say one more thing and I'll be quiet. I would also think in this. What if Bethesda announcement that happens in March, they also decree that all the legacy Bethesda titles are now on Game Pass immediately. And I'm sure there will be some deals or legal things that maybe certain titles don't show up right away. But the ultimate goal is the entire Bethesda back catalog shows up on Game Pass as soon as they're legally allowed to be. And you you make that statement now and that gives people even more incentive to want to start investing in Xbox.
1: So Paris, are you still as we as we near? You know, the answer is the the, the answers are coming right soon. Yeah. If, if Grub is right, are you? I know you started. I'd like I said, I've been all over the map. I just thought one thing and then I thought another, and my thinking's kind of evolved on it. You've always said exclusivity. Do you still now? Strongly believe Game Pass exclusive, which does mean never on a Sony platform because Game Pass ain't never good Sony. Like right. that's never that really is cats and dogs living together, masses Terry. Like that would never happen. So are are you saying that going forward, once this announcement comes out, that Fallout games, Doom games, Elder Scrolls games, Starfield. Uh, all of these, all of these franchises, that the, Sony
2: PlayStation gamers are done basically. Is that still your prediction? Yeah, that's what I think. Now, now here's where I'll give myself one little tiny out. In that, again, pretend. Let's let's say Wolfenstein Three comes this year. I could see a scenario where they say, Hey, we've already invested so much time and effort into the PlayStation version of a Wolfenstein Three that shows up on PlayStation. But after that yeah there might be
1: one or two that are grandfathered in yeah
2: yeah yeah because look we know Deathloop and Ghostwire Tokyo are showing up on PlayStation because those deals are in place and Phil Spencer's already said they're going to be honored but even the ones that we don't necessarily know about a PlayStation deal I could see in the first year maybe a title or two still shows up on PlayStation because of what I just said but beyond that I think the expectation again Set the expectation now. If the expectation is, do not expect to see Elder Scrolls 6 or Fallout 5 or Doom 3 or Quake or whatever on PlayStation, say it now, because you you know people are going to be upset by it. They will be. But they'll get over it because they get over it with everything else. This is just how the world works, right? Some, a, a faction of people will be upset by that news because they don't necessarily want to go to Xbox. But the whole point of all of this, they are trying to give people more incentive to invest in the Xbox ecosystem. I'm not giving you something on your platform of choice if I want you to come over to mine. Bottom line, that's why I think absolutely you will not see Starfield there because it's a brand new IP. There's no legacy history of it ever being on PlayStation. So why would I put it on PlayStation? No, I'm putting that on Xbox, day one on Game Pass. You wanna play it, you're playing it through Xbox and that's just how it should work. Again, it's business. I guess I'll say one more thing. I want to 100% state, I'm not for exclusives, never have been. I wish every game would show up on every platform, but I also understand the business side of this and exclusives are a part of the business. Same where it works on PlayStation, same where it works with Nintendo. Nintendo is literally exclusive, that's what they are. PlayStation obviously has exclusive, Xbox has exclusives, it's a part of the business. So if I'm gonna make a $7 billion investment, I'm making those most valuable IPs exclusive because again, it's business. So we'll see.
1: It's, it, to, to, that, to that final point, and this is more of an existential point, I, I agree with, with Paris. That this is, it's an outrageous situation that we've just always lived with because we've, nev- we've never really known it any other way. I'm old yeah. enough to remember the great HD DVD versus Blu-ray wars of, yeah. of some years ago. <laughs> and that before, that, before that sorted itself, so I even had the goddamn HD DVD add-on for the Xbox 360. What a waste of time that ended up being. But like, you know, I'm a movie fan and I like to collect movies back when physical media was still a thing. And you'll remember what a mess it was. It's like, well, some movies, some of those Hollywood studios were supporting the HD DVD format. Others were supporting Blu-ray and people were saying, wait, are you telling me that going forward, if I want to watch all the movies from all the studios, I've got to have two different machines. And it's like, that sounds absurd, but that's the reality that console gamers have lived with their entire lives. If you want to play all the games, you've got to have multiple systems. And we just accept that because it's never been any other way, but it's really kind of, it really kind of sucks.
2: You know, I, w- I was even thinking because, you know, again, we're we're of the older generation. So back in my day, um, when we, you'd only have like one or two games on, the, on like the NES or the Genesis, right? Like I had the NES, Super Nintendo. My buddy had the Genesis. So what would we do? One weekend, we'd be at my house playing on Nintendo, playing Tecmo Bowl or whatever. The other weekend, we'd go to my buddy's house and we're on the Genesis and we're playing Sonic and and all those titles. So. We're, we've always had multiple consoles with exclusive things on them. I just think now we've it's it's turned into this weird thing where where you have to kind of gatekeep it. You got to be on one side or the other, which is silly, but it's it's also business. I mean, that's why you never saw Sega Sonic never showed up on Nintendo, and Mario never showed up on the Genesis. It's it's always been a part of the business, and it's not going to change anytime soon. Yeah, and that
1: comes back to what I said earlier about Phil's ultimately going to do what's right for the business. And, you know, Phil does a great... I love Phil Spencer. He's one of my favorite people in the business. And he does a great job of preaching this kind of very gamer-friendly, gamer-forward, almost kind of like a kumbaya attitude, like the console wars are a thing of the past. We don't need to think like that anymore. It's really about getting games into the hands of gamers. It's a very carefully curated, very positive you know, PR friendly message, I guarantee you behind the scenes, when it comes down to like, what's the, what the business decision is best for Xbox and Microsoft? He's a stone cold killer. You don't yeah. get to, you don't get yeah. to a, a position of, of, you know, like that high up in the, in the business world, um, without being a stone cold killer. So Phil, yeah, Phil's going to make the decision that's going to be best for his company and his brand. And if a few PlayStation gamers have their noses put out a joint again, that's, it's going to happen.
2: But, but that, that kind of goes back to my what if, like if I was Satya Nadella and I'm being presented this, I'm ruthless. I, yeah. Hey, you're telling me I'm getting all that and I get to make that exclusive to my ecosystem, which means I'm going to get more people investing into our services. Because remember, Microsoft, they're literally a software and a cloud company and a services company now, right? So more people are going to invest in Microsoft services, do it <laughs> and make it, all, that's, that's what I would do. And, yeah, and, and like so, and- you said- yeah
1: go ahead no i said that seven seven plus billion dollars is is a lot of money but you can understand why they why they spend it um because again like like again let's address the reality microsoft and xbox is way behind playstation right it has been for a while in terms of the install base Arguably also in terms of mind share. It's just PlayStation. There's there's more excitement. I when I just look at the mainstream media system, you know, system the, when people are talking about the new consoles, there's more chatter and more excitement about the PlayStation 5 than there is the Series X. There's plenty of excitement about the Series X, but PlayStation 5's kind of got that edge in terms of the mind share. That's considered like the hotter of the two systems, I think. That is uh, as objective as they can be, that's kind of the reality. Microsoft's been playing catch-up now. For quite a while and they've still got a ways to go there's very few things you can do to seismically move that needle in a measurable way like how do you close that gap in a real way you can and you can you can eat away at them like game again the whole game pass strategy is a way in which they might close that gap but like one one massive purchase that brings four five arguably more titanic franchises inside your fold that's a seismic move and that i I feel like that's one of the things that the, the things that could actually measurably move the needle in terms of the gap between. PlayStation in in uh in the lead and, and Xbox trying to you know, again narrow that gap, play and catch up.
0: Man, some exciting stuff. I'm, so I'm going to throw one crazy oh, thing there. out there. <laughs> <laughs> it's not going to be
3: clear cut either way. It's going to be on base uh base by base by, uh basis. It's going to be deciding game by game. Each uh each time of whether it's going to be exclusive or not. I just, I could see them doing it. I don't know why. I feel that in my bones now. But I feel like that's going to be the weird, like not straightforward cut that they're going to go with.
1: What would what would the nuances be behind deciding to say <clears throat> Fallout is an exclusive and Doom isn't?
3: I, for example, I, I don't know. But again, it was a thought that I that sparked up in my brain while uh, hearing uh, Paris's uh, passionate rant, and I I think I don't know. I don't know, but that's that's where I'm at right now. And again, this is—I know people are going to comment like, "Ah, oh, he's a PlayStation player." It's like I got a PC now; I don't have to worry either. I'm just thinking about it uh, from uh, from a interesting business perspective because I do agree—is that like you don't spend that much money and not have it be exclusive. But it's also like thinking about how they handled uh, Mo Yang and uh, putting uh, keeping. Um, uh, minecraft on everything even though it already was on everything and stuff like
2: that but see i I just i I think i think that one's different though i I have all i've I've all because i always see that because people get mad because i've been saying this right so i always (laughs) get this comment and see my dog agrees um (laughs) that's different because remember it already existed on playstation before they acquired it right yeah and minecraft is perpetual It is not, there will not be a Minecraft 2. It will always exist as Minecraft. They're not going to make a sequel to Minecraft. So, even in this Bethesda scenario, they're not going to take Fallout 76 away from PlayStation. It will always be on PlayStation, as well as all the legacy Bethesda titles. They're not taking them away. What I'm saying is anything they make that is new.
3: Yeah, like I, I absolutely agree. Like I think a Starfield, absolutely an exclusive. Yeah but it'll just be interesting to see if they keep that mindset with existing series. I do understand your point about uh, Minecraft though, of like how it's kind of perpetual. It's It was already on other platforms and stuff like that. Again, interesting to see, and hopefully we know. Yeah, it is.
1: I, I can see where Barrett's coming from in this sense. Again, like, look, at the end of the day, Phil Spencer's smarter than I am, right? If, if that weren't true, <laughs> yeah, I would have his job same. and he would have mine. And it's entirely possible that we haven't seen everything or predicted everything that they're up to i think here's what i think i think the least likely scenario is when they announce this that we'll just go oh it was answer a or it was answer b i think it's going to be something more it'll, it'll be something with oh but there's a surprising element that maybe we didn't consider or some combination of it that's like less it's not it's not necessarily going to be like oh that's the thing that we predicted or oh paris was right or gary was right it might be something kind of you know maybe none of us were right maybe it's something in the middle I'm I just I want to get to the point where we know like it's again it's not killing me that much because again I'm an Xbox gamer I'm I'm taking care of either way but for Greg Miller and those guys out there that might be sweating whether or not they're gonna get to play the next Elder even Scrolls crazier or idea the next
3: Doom, they only publish these on playstation how fucking crazy would that be they go the other exact opposite way and
2: that would be the benefit of being unpredictable <laughs> can, can can I say one more thing on that and'm I'm, I'm sure we're gonna move on here but One last thing I want to say on that is no matter what the decision is, it doesn't matter either way. Like you said, Gary, probably going to be some kind of hybrid of what we're thinking. It is going to shape the gaming industry for the next 10 years, whatever they do, because it is going to set if if it goes exclusive, it's going to set this precedent. Like, holy shit, you just took an entire publisher and you just made an exclusive to one platform or. Let's go the complete opposite. What if they go, yeah, Fallout, Elder Scrolls, all that stuff is still going to be on PlayStation. You know what that really does in a a weird sense? It puts more pressure on PlayStation to start doing the same thing. Because now Microsoft is showing, we don't really, we don't care. Play wherever you want. We're getting the money no matter what. Play on any platform you want. We're we're still profiting from it. We just want gamers to experience all these games. Because you know that's going to be the marketing message that was to happen, right? So... Either way, it's going to be a huge shift in how gamers perceive exclusive titles over the next decade, in my opinion, I think. Either we're going to double down on exclusives or you're really going to start to see pressure like I want to see Mario on PlayStation or I want to see Kratos on Xbox. You're going to start to see those conversations if they if they go that route.
1: Well, let's just hope Jeffy's right and we, and we get some clarity yeah, on this. I rather so. than
2: later.
0: Yeah, I mean, it sounds like the exclusivity is going to be the big one, of course. And if we do have an event here in the middle of March, that will be on everybody's mind because, of course, you're not going to talk about Bethesda and Xbox together without answering this question. So like Paris and Gary and Baird have all said, right, it is time to have this discussion, whether it be good, bad, ugly, whatever you think it may be, it is time to answer these questions. I'm really excited to see what this presentation could look like, right? When we think about where we are here in March, when we put ourselves in a couple of weeks, you look back and we just had Nintendo Direct. We just had a PlayStation State of Play this week as we record. And of course, we do have the big summer games mess. We have E3 that who knows what that looks like, but we have all of these big announcements ahead of us, right? And so the question will be is how much do they show? How much can we tease and how much do we save? And I am really excited to look at what this presentation is. I think you said it really well, Paris, of like, I want to see Phil. I want to see Todd. I want to see Pete all come out and talk about what this partnership is, right? Because we do know that they're going to work independently and they're still going to be Bethesda, but they are under the umbrella now. And of course we've read about it last week, the vault, the subsidiary that Microsoft has created. And I want to see what all seven studios are working on, who they are, the faces behind them, because I'm a gamer like that. And I like knowing about these people. I like hearing their stories and I want to know how that ties into the vault, what it looks like on the big banner, right? We've seen, all of these studios under the xbox game studio logo do we add seven more to that do we add just one thing called the vault it will be interesting to see what the banner now looks like and then as we continue on what is that flashy trailer right because you're not going to come out and talk about this without some sort of hot flashy trailer we know wolfenstein is right around the corner right so it's got to be announced it's got to be at least teased or shown and then starfield right we've seen the leaks we've seen the rumors People are really hot on Starfield is now the moment to show off a Starfield trailer, maybe more photos, maybe more logos. And then at the end, hey, this is the exclusivity. But this is going to be a really fun event to speculate on, but also to look at in your mind. What do you want? Do you want nothing but E3 hype where they might use that in the summertime? Do you expect just a small conversation between these three of, hey, welcome to the team. This is what it is. These are the seven studios now in there and leave us hanging on exclusivity or games. But I am excited to see what this is because I think now is a perfect time. Steal the media mindshare, steal everybody's eyes throughout the springtime. And as we head into summer, now we know, right? Pear said it. Now we've had the Band-Aid ripped off. We know come summertime when Bethesda has their next event or Xbox has their next event, you best believe all of these titles are either going to be exclusive in the middle or not. We'll find that out. And of course, game pass as well, Paris. I want to see all of those Bethesda legacy titles come to game pass, preferably day and date, right? The moment that this ink dries, I want them to come out and be like, all of these are already on game pass. Go play. It probably will be staggered. We all know that, but I am really excited to see what this event is, right? There's a lot of questions around it with exclusivity and all that, but We'll be excited to welcome on this new team, all these new faces, and where do we go from there? Paris and Gary, before we leave this topic, I'll pose you the simple one of like, what games and trailers do you expect us to see, right? Is it going to be a big blowout, or will we only see one or two? Paris, where do you fall on this? What do you think we'll see out of
2: this? If I had to guess, just probably a sizzle reel of just all the Bethesda studios and some of their most popular IPs, and then you end it with Starfield, because that's obviously the biggest unknown right now coming out of Bethesda. Okay, okay, okay. Do you
0: expect a date on Starfield? Do you just expect a hype trailer? No. What do you think we see out of that?
2: Yeah, I just think it's just a tease. I don't think there's a date or anything, because like I said, I think this is just kind of ripping the bandaid off so people can start setting expectations. You start getting that type of information in whatever the big game showcase could be. And one last thing, Bethesda is still going to be Bethesda, and I know we're in a COVID world right now, but they're probably still going to do QuakeCon and things like that as well. So. We may even see that maybe it isn't necessarily all at the Xbox Game Showcase where we get big Bethesda announcements. They may still do their own separate announcements as
0: well. Gary, what do you think? Will we see more Starfield? What do you want to see out of this team in, let's say, mid-March before everything happens in the summer?
1: Um, yeah, actually, the, I mean, obviously, COVID's thrown everything up in the air right now. But in, in, a, in a normal world, Paris makes a good point. QuakeCon would actually be a great venue uh for this kind of uh announcement because you know it's obviously so deep you know, but Beth- Bethesda and QuakeCon it's all in it, you know it it all kind of goes hand in hand. Um I think you'll see in terms of predictions for the, whatever this event is, I think you know maybe you'll see a little more at Starfield. Everybody wants to see more than that, that teaser trailer that showed almost nothing. Um, I actually don't know too much about like what is most kind of mature in development in terms of I guess it sounds like Wolfenstein. So maybe we'll see another bit of Wolfenstein. I think the thing that could make the biggest splash which surely they're working on. I just don't know where that, but like the the biggest thing that they have at Bethesda is Elder Scrolls. Skyrim is massive and was huge. and people still play it and mod it and go crazy for Skyrim. I mean, Skyrim is one of the all-time, massive, most biggest, most influential titles of the modern era. So whatever the next big, you know, follow up to Skyrim is not like an online thing or whatever, but the next big, major, you know, epic, you know, two hundred hours uh, single player experience is going to be out of the Elder Scrolls world. That's going to be, I think, the thing that has the potential to make the biggest noise. So, um, I'd, I'd probably be most excited to see, uh, in, ter- in terms of like how much noise can they make. Like a first look at the next big uh, single player, basically the, whatever the follow up to Skyrim is, uh, has the potential to be really, really big. Uh, you know, there's and don't forget, there's these other what what we might think of as like these second tier franchises out there as well. I don't know if they're doing another dishonor, but don't forget, Microsoft gets dishonored, they get evil within. There are these other big uh, titles Three. that they own. We all love, yeah, Prey, we all love Wolfenstein, uh, we all love Doom. Um, you know, these are great, great games, and they're and they're, there's going to be more from them. But I feel yeah. like if you had to point to any one thing and say, like, what is what is the thing that has the potential to get gamers most excited in terms of showing the next installment of an existing franchise? I think it's I think it's Elder Scrolls.
0: Uh, so exciting! Really, yeah, hope you're right.
3: Really quick with Arcane specifically. Uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm not confident. As much as I love Dishonored, I'm not confident in, like how soon they're ever going to go back to the Dishonored series and Prey. Like I, I don't know how p- well Prey sold, but like. Dishonored 1, 2, and Prey like, did not did not get the love that they deserved. Um, and depending on how Death Proof uh, uh, does, their their focus in the future might be very different.
1: Even even if they don't make another game, Barrett, just the existing titles coming to Game Pass would be True. a big yeah. deal.
2: And, and let's remember one last thing, and I know we've got to feel like we've been talking this about an hour, but one last thing on that, on what, what you're saying, Barrett. Remember, this is the, actually the beauty of Game Pass and why I still lean more towards exclusivity it takes the pressure off the developers to have to hit this quote unquote sales number. They get the creative freedom and the time that they need to start putting these IPs out. And because you're subscribed to Game Pass, there's, there isn't this immediate pressure on you as the gamer to run out and go play it right away. You know, you get to discover it on your own, on your own time. So th- that's where I think it's a win win, because let's remember Bethesda over the past few years, their games haven't been selling that great. That's just just a fact. That's just a reality. Right. So. In that sense, them becoming a part of Xbox and going into that Game Pass subscription service actually helps those studios where if they do want to go back and do another Dishonored, well, they don't have to, well, this one didn't sell that well, so we don't really want you to do that. Deathloop didn't do as great as we thought. Maybe now they get the creative freedom to go make the Dishonored that they always wanted to make and the time to do it. So... I'll just put a a pin in it to say this is why I think this deal makes a lot of sense for both parties and why I think it'll be exclusive ultimately. This week, The Kind of Funny X-Cast is brought to you by
0: ExpressVPN and Upstart. First, we'd like to thank our sponsor, ExpressVPN. You know what's not fair? The fact that Netflix hides thousands of shows and movies from you based on your location and then has the nerve to increase their prices on you. That's right, they've just raised their prices once again. Now you could just cancel your subscription in protest, or you could be smart about it and make sure you're getting your full money's worth by using ExpressVPN. See, you might not know that what's on Netflix in your country is completely different from what someone in the UK or Japan has on theirs. Using ExpressVPN, you can control which country you want Netflix to think you're in. ExpressVPN has over 90 countries to choose from, So every time you run out of stuff to watch, you can just switch to another country to unlock new shows. And here's the best part. It's not just Netflix. You can use ExpressVPN to unlock shows on other streaming services too, like BBC iPlayer. It's totally free and available in the UK. ExpressVPN is also super fast and works on your phone, laptop, and even smart TVs. So you can watch your shows on the big screen with zero buffering. So be smart. Stop paying full price for streaming services and only getting access to a fraction of their content. Get your money's worth at expressvpn.com slash kindoffunny. Don't forget to use my link so you can get the three extra months free. That's expressvpn.com slash kindoffunny. Expressvpn.com slash kindoffunny to learn more. Up next is Upstart. This episode of the Kind of Funny X-Cast is sponsored by Upstart. You know that credit card? the one that you've been afraid to look at to see what the balance is? If you've been avoiding your debt, it's time to confront it. Upstart can help you face it and finally pay it off. Last year showed us that you never know what life is going to throw at you. And if you used credit cards to pay for unexpected expenses, it can be overwhelming to manage that debt. Take control with Upstart so you know exactly what to expect. Upstart is the fast and easy way to get a personal loan to pay off your debt all online. Whether it's paying off credit cards consolidating high-interest debt, or funding personal expenses, over half a million people have used Upstart to get a fixed, simple monthly payment. Upstart finds smarter rates with trusted partners because they access more than just your credit score. When Greg moved to San Francisco 50 years ago, the loan he took out didn't factor in anything but his credit score. He got a terrible rate, and Upstart could have really helped him. With a five-minute online rate check, you can see your rate up front for loans From $1,000 to $50,000. You can get approved the same day and can receive funds as fast as one business day. If debt is taking over your life, it's time to get a fresh start with Upstart. Find out how Upstart can lower your monthly payments today when you go to upstart.com slash kind of funny. That's upstart.com slash kind of funny. Don't forget to use the URL to let them know we sent you. Loan amounts will be determined based on your credit income and certain other information provided in your loan application go to upstart.com slash kind of funny so exciting and if jeff grubb is right we will have a whole lot more news on the way and something fun to look forward to here in the middle of march let's keep it moving we got a couple of stories that we got to burn through and blaze through uh but to catch us back up I have some awesome news coming from Team Xbox, who continues to push accessibility in gaming. So a really, really fun story, something near and dear to all of our hearts and uh, a lot of our best friends out there that we definitely want to highlight. Uh, This week, there has been a big and awesome blog post detailing Team Xbox's plan to continue to elevate the way they take on accessibility in gaming, while also providing more assistance and resources for developers that want to make their games more accessible for gamers with differing abilities. In 2019, the Microsoft Gaming Accessibility Team started to create what would be known as the Xbox Accessibility Guidelines, the XAGs, a comprehensive set of best practices to help the gaming industry continue to push accessibility forward with a guiding checklist for validating the accessibility of a game. In January 2020, the original XAGs were launched. Now the team has taken in over a year of feedback and they are ready to elevate the XAGs for developers to another level. They have gone in and improved the wording of the document to be more clear for developers to easily understand, set clear guidelines, improved the overview, created scoping questions that ask and challenge developers if certain elements in their games are being met along with implementation guidelines, examples that will provide more resources like videos and images that will further help developers. But that's not all. Along with elevating the actual guidelines, the team decided to take it even further. Now Microsoft has provided developers an industry first opportunity to send or PC titles to be analyzed and validated against the recommendations of the XAGs. The Xbox team, along with members of the gaming and disabilities community will test and provide feedback with assist with assistance to these developers to help further elevate their accessibility of their games. So really cool one I wanted to highlight, make sure we shared that. Of course, we are pushing accessibility, we're pushing discoverability, and we're pushing inclusive play to everybody, no matter who you are, no matter where you are, no matter what your ability is. It's really cool to see Xbox continue to elevate what they've created on. Look at us now, you have the Xbox adaptive controller, you've created this community, you've created this committee now to elevate accessibility in games. And now they take it one step further, they're allowing teams to send in their games and kind of be double checked and get feedback on it. Paris, what do you think about this cool endeavor?
2: Oh, I love it. I love it. And I love that they've continued to iterate on this initiative of what they're doing about accessibility. And like you're saying now, there, there's almost this baseline standard for what accessibility should be on the platform, right? And you can basically check in your game and see if it, it meets that criteria. And then you can obviously go back and and, and correct it as needed. So th- this is great. Um, it, it's good to see them. Continue to to lead the way on this, and hopefully we'll we'll see more platforms adopt this as well. Yeah, yeah well,
1: accessibility um, uh, in gaming has has probably been one of the biggest trending topics in in the gaming world of the last year, and rightly so. It's not 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 before time. If anything, you could argue that this should have happened long ago. We're just glad. Um, it's, it's happening now. Um, and Microsoft has been leading the way and deserve kudos for it. The accessibility controller was a really impressive, uh, step forward. Um, and just a million other things that like, you know, able-bodied people like us often don't even think about. I tweeted the other day, I was complaining about motion controllers because the motion controls in the super new super Mario 3d world annoyed me. They just annoyed me. And I said, I don't want any more motion controls in games. And I got responses from gamers with disabilities saying, think how I feel. I can't even play that fucking game. Because of those controls. and it's like, man, like you don't you know you, sometimes you don't think about you know how privileged we are just to have fully functioning bodies that we can play these games. Not everyone is is so lucky. Um, and so I'm really really glad that we're finally starting to see greater visibility for gamers with disabilities and, and, and greater accessibility so they can actually play those games. The last of us part two, I think won a bunch of awards for doing some incredible groundbreaking work in making the game really really accessible and I, think, I remember the conversation starting at least in, at least in one way, simply people complaining about like why are the fucking subtitles in video games so small like why can't I make them bigger? I have good eyesight and I, so I sometimes have to squint to read the subtitles on a video game screen like why aren't they bigger like the subtitles in movies and again, for people that don't have great eyesight or have got other you know got other impairments like these are real things that we need to be thinking about if we, we you can't seriously say that gaming is for everyone until you include all of those people that have those other barriers that need to be um overcame. And you know, people like Steven Spohn and and, and and other people in that space are doing amazing work to kind of bring themselves up to a point where they can it makes it easy to play these games. The, the majority of the burden falls on the hardware manufacturers and the game developers to make sure that games are as accessible as they can be for everybody and kudos to microsoft for leading this initiative and i hope this is just the beginning of, of a trend that's going to become bigger and bigger um as you know people like steven and alana pierce have been doing a lot to kind of raise awareness of this and the developers now finally seem to be getting hip to it that this is only going to get better
0: Agreed. yeah really really cool and andy cortez actually put some great eyes on it during kind of funny games daily. He said, you know, we think about these massive studios and all of the power that they have and really them doing a lot to push this forward. But we don't think about the smaller indie studios that only have three to seven people and how hard that is to try to create the game that they're doing. And then also say, Oh man, how do I do this? I don't have enough resources. And for Microsoft to stand up and be like, Hey, we're here to help you. We have these guidelines that you can look at your game, compare them to, and even send them us to. I think that's a big one for no matter what size your team is. Now you know you have resources there. You have a team that wants to help you. And if you're feeling like you only have four to eight people on the team, and that seems almost impossible, now you can look to them and be like, we need help. We need to raise our hand. And this team is there for you. So really powerful stuff, really special stuff coming out of Team Xbox with pushing accessibility forward. We got a fun one here, guys. Or... Maybe a sad one, you know, because now it's time to say goodbye. EA and BioWare just a couple weeks ago said that they will make the final decision on what will be the future of Anthem. And today they have dropped the news in a blog post, so I'll read it very quickly for all of us to know what has happened. In the spirit of transparency and closure, we wanted to share that we've made the difficult decision to stop our new development work on Anthem, a.k.a. Anthem Next. We will, however, continue to keep the Anthem live service running as it exists today. Since Anthem's launch, the team has been working hard to continually improve the game, releasing multiple updates that brought the game with them a variety of implements or improvements and in, in, oh, I'm lost, introduced new content of play. Towards the end of 2019, we expanded on that effort and started working on more fundamental restructure of the game. During the development we've provided, updates revealing some of the team's work through blog posts and conversations with all of you on social media, and it's been inspiring us for us to see positive reactions and feedback. I've been incredibly proud to work with the team that has been doing all this work and excited to see the play each new build and experience provides. 2020 was a year unlike any other, however, and will continue to make progress against all our game projects at Bioware. Working from home during the pandemic has had an impact on our productivity and not everything we had planned as a studio before COVID-19 can be accomplished without putting undue stress on our teams. I know this will be disappointing to the community of Anthem players who have been excited to see the improvements we've been working on. It's also disappointing for the team who were doing brilliant work. And for me personally, Anthem is what brought me to Bioware in the last two years been some of the most challenging and rewarding experiences of my career game development is hard decisions like these are not easy moving forward we need to laser focus our efforts as a studio and strengthen the next dragon age and mass effect titles we are continuing to provide quality updates to star wars the old republic gary and Paris, I know I butchered that blog post, but some sad news right there. EA and Bioware gonna put the kibosh on anything Anthem next related. They'll keep the service alive. What do you think there, Paris? Is this devastating to you? Where do you fall?
2: Uh, it's it's a bummer, but uh, unfortunately, I'm not surprised. Uh, just just for for context's sake. Um, I did some when the original anthem came out. I uh, was part of a preview program as far as giving feedback, you know, directly to Bioware, you know, getting to play it, suggestions, all that. Because I'm I'm am a huge Destiny player, so at that time it just made a lot of sense to bring in content creators for that that style of game. Um, my name is actually in the credits <laughs> if you if, if you <laughs> ever played it to get to the end of that. But um, so so I you know I I have some personal feelings about it because and unfortunately it's it's one of frustration number one there's some amazing people over there at bioware and ea excuse me on the community team that i've had the pleasure to work with over the past few years and i don't necessarily fault them for any of this i i I, I, i and i say this with a lot of things but i take it back to leadership over at ea and bioware that i feel like they weren't listening to all the warnings that were happening with Anthem before it came out. Because I'll tell you right now, I straight up said, do not put this game out when you're saying it needs way more time. It is simply not ready because we were doing a direct comparison of it to to Destiny at the time, which obviously was a game that had its own problems and they were lucky enough to rebound. But it's like, as a gamer, here are my expectations for what I wanted Anthem to be. And it wasn't meeting those at launch. And we obviously saw what we got um it's unfortunate because i was hoping they were going to be able to do anthem next and be able to correct the wrongs maybe they would have a no man's sky type revival right with the game and uh as as your statement showed just it's another victim of COVID 19. unfortunately just because of all the struggles working remote They didn't want to put extra pressure on that team to try and bring back a a project that potentially may not have worked anyways, depending on what Anthem next was going to look like. So it's unfortunate. Um, It's it's a damn shame because there was a lot of potential with Anthem. I mean, think about just the, the flying mechanic that was in there. Everyone loved that. I just think if they could have worked out some of the UI things, improved the loot, giving us more challenging things to do inside of that world, it could have worked. And uh, unfortunately, it didn't. So even though the game is going to, quote unquote, live, you know, it's really dead. It's done. That community is going to move on to other things. And no one's going to put the time investment into Anthem at this point for it to ever be for it to ever live up to the potential that it could have had. So it's, it's a shame. It's bittersweet.
1: Yeah, I'll uh, I'll keep my response to this one quick because I know we've got some other topics to 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 cover and I've got a hard out. But uh, yeah, just to echo what Paris said, this is this is a sad but perhaps the appropriate end to what has only ever really been a sad story. You know, Anthem released in a in a, in an unfinished, messed up state and never recovered. Uh, it's like as I said earlier on social media when Paris and I went back and forth. You only get one chance to make a first impression, and it's hard to win back gamers after they've been burned. You know um we saw again we saw it with cyberpunk maybe cyberpunk gets to a point one day when it's a great game but the stain of what it was when it was released can never be erased right we we all have long uh memories and you know it seems like a simple equation just don't release a product before it's ready and you know they knew cyberpunk wasn't ready they knew anthem wasn't ready they knew stadia wasn't ready i don't think stadia will ever recover from from that botch launch it's only a matter of time before stadia is done um, you know, it's, and it, and it's a shame to see this happen from the point of view of the people that worked so hard on the game. You know, there's nothing more heartbreaking professionally than getting that email or being called into that group meeting to be told that, yeah, it's, it's all done. Like, you know, just pack up your shit. Um, this is, I just spent two years working on a movie that got killed by, you know, an executive level studio decision and all that work now will never be seen. And it's heartbreaking. And my heart goes out to those developers that were working so hard to try and resurrect something but again the reality is it should never have needed to be resurrected it should have been launched get you only yeah. get one chance to get this exactly. right you know these no man's sky narratives these redemption narratives we talk about this romantic but you should never be in that mess in the first place when something need, when you need a, you need to be redeemed the idea that you need to be redeemed suggests that you fucked up in the first place and they certainly did with anthem um it is it is kind of sad I was actually kind of surprised to hear that they're even going to keep the um the, the the initial version of the game running for those i mean how many people are even still playing it's not going to get any more updates or or, or support i would i would think
0: no, the, the,
1: the next time you hear about anthem will be the day when they say we're switching off the servers um and it's it's just sad it's just sad and there's a, it doesn't seem like a hard lesson for us to learn i know there are economic imperatives why games need to be released in this financial quarter or that financial quarter but we've seen just how much that can cost you You can cost you so much more uh, than delaying a game uh, to to release it before it's ready. We've seen so many high-profile examples of this uh, over the past 12 months. Enough already. Really, don't take these things out of the oven before they're ready.
2: I completely agree, and I'll try and keep this short as well. It's just because I'd even tweeted this right before we started recording this, that it's. I hope game publishers are looking at what just happened with Anthem. They They're looking at what happened with the Avengers, Cyberpunk, as examples, and say... Like you're saying, Gary, enough. We we can't keep doing this where we're putting out these half-bait games. Gamers are clearly rejecting it at this point. Because you know, you know what the, the the real thing is? There's so much shit to play now that I'm not going to waste my time playing your broken game. I'm just not. I'm gonna move on to something else because my time is valuable and, and that's how I'm starting to look at this as you don't respect my time as a gamer as well as i think these these publishers aren't respecting the visions of these developers that want they have these brilliant ideas for these games and it's getting rushed out the gate and it never realizes its full potential and then what happens it gets killed because of a corporate decision finance decision or whatever the case may be and it's hurting the creative processing process of gaming I, I'll, I'll say it again thank god microsoft had the foresight. To delay halo a year because that how been, smart do they look now yeah very smart because that would have been a disaster we know it would have been right so i'm glad they delayed it a year i even look at just just now the fact that gran turismo 7 is delayed until 2022 bravo to them for having the foresight to go you know what we're in a covet world right now let's not force this thing delay it into 2022 and let's get it polished and get it right and i will just say even just for 2021 as a whole I don't expect a lot of AAA games this year for that very reason. We're in a pandemic. People are working remote. It's not fair to them. These games are not going to get the proper QA and the polish that they need to be to be what we expect of them, to, for, to get our $60 or $70 a pop or to get our subscription money you know, on Game Pass or something like that. So delay these games. It's okay. We understand. I would rather a game get delayed 12, 18 months and be what we want it to be versus what just happened with cyberpunk or what just happened with anthem i don't want that like i'm, I'm literally in the chair and it's so disappointing to me what happened to cyberpunk i hope like you said cd project red fixes it but we never should have been in the, in this this mess in the first place they should have just delayed the game and look at anthem now it's never going to live up to the potential of what it should have been and it's just a damn shame Ugh, shame to see it go some incredible
0: controls, a lot of fun, cool world as well, a lot of awesome colors, a lot of cool ideas going on there. But great to hear the team is trying to keep that laser focus on the big names, right? Dragon Age and, of course, Mass Effect coming up very soon. That name BioWare used to hold a lot of weight. And now for gamers out there, it's either shaky in your mind, it's not the same in your mind. And so hopefully these next two big, big titles really stand out because that's the name we all grew up with, that's the name we love, and that's BioWare. Uh, Our final story of the show, the Halo TV show is on the move to a new streaming service. This dropped right now as the show is being recorded. So this is an exclusive from Deadline by Nelly Andruva. I'm going to read it right off of hers. Uh, Halo's long road to the small screen has taken one final turn. Showtime's anticipated series based on the hugely popular Xbox video game franchise will migrate to Paramount Plus and be available exclusively on Viacom's CBS streamer. Now, the announcement will be made during the Viacom CBS streaming event happening right now this afternoon. Halo, which had filmed 55 to 60% of its first season when the coronavirus pandemic shut down all production last March, had been floated for months as a possibility for Paramount Plus at its Viacom CBS's content council. And in conversation between Nevins and Viacom CBS, President and CEO Bob Baskis said, quote, We were on the hunt for signature shows beyond the Star Trek franchise on CBS All Access, and we're thinking what could be a defining series for Paramount Plus. He continued on to say, Halo's f- Halo fit the bill, but seeing it, we felt it would work. Gary, you are my entertainment guy. You've seen this, you've been there. Of course, Paramount Plus You know, not there's a big streaming world out there. Paramount Plus is not on my radar. Not a big one unless you're a Star Trek guy. Is Halo going to bring us all over there? Is this the right
3: move for this team? uh, Star Trek is CBS All Access, I believe. Uh, Paramount Plus, they're they're announcing a bunch of crazy shit uh, during this uh, show today. They've got this Rugrats show now. There's like a whole Avatar, the last Airbender team, now dedicated to making a bunch of shit. Paramount Plus might be on the up and up. I'm, I'm just saying, Mike.
1: Yeah and all on but- all of that stuff is going to change the whole streaming wars you know landscape is constantly shifting right and my understanding is that cbs all access where the star trek shows currently live is is going to undergo like a major rebranding soon as well and so paramount plus hbo max cbs all all of these different like by the time like a year from now that landscape is going to look fundamentally different because all of these all of these major companies are trying to find they understand that there's big money in streaming disney plus is killing it right now with what is it like 100 million or more subscriptions netflix we all know that there's money to be made in the streaming game it's where everyone wants to to be and part of that in terms of you know getting getting people to kind of add your app to their you know to to your tv or their apple tv or whatever and getting in that conversation is you got to have the killer app show right you got to have the flagship show and you know netflix has got a bunch of them right stranger things is probably the biggest thing on one of the biggest things on netflix right now they have a bunch of them disney plus obviously has mandalorian and you know the more the mcu shows that are coming down the pike um Amazon's got, you know, Jack Ryan's and some other stuff. Like, you you need to have that one show that creates buzz and gets people talking. And maybe Halo can be that show. I, love I don't know that you went about with it.
3: Jack Ryan for Amazon.
1: <laughs> hey, Jack Ryan's a fucking good show. You want to talk about? Why not about the boys? If you're you talking about
3: an, a flagship show for Amazon, it's The Boys. Jack Ryan. Oh it's yeah, you know, you know, Jack Ryan, Gary. You, Come I, you
1: know, what? you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. I, I knew I was missing something. I forgot about it. the boys is huge as well. But I, I'm more of a Jack. What well, do you know? I'm a Jack Ryan guy. I've been reading Tom Clancy books no, my I whole get it. life. I get but it. no, the so, boys
2: is is obviously a huge, huge deal. So, um, so can I be a point, nerd real quick? Go, yeah, no, continue. I'm sorry, I don't want to. No, I was just saying.
1: My, my point being that that in order to to kind of establish a foothold in this very, very competitive streaming marketplace, a flagship show is a key component, and I think they've identified Halo as. Potentially that show, having taken a look at what's been shot from the little that I know, it's looking really, really good for people that are out for Halo fans that are hoping the show is going to be good. This is positive tea leaves that the the people that have seen it think that this could be a could be a a, a killer app show for them.
2: Uh, I just want to be a nerd really quick, uh, slight correction. CBS All Access is being folded into Paramount Plus, so all those Star Trek shows are, are going over there. So you would need to be- Yeah, so that's what uh, I mean. Like it's being, yeah,
1: it's yeah. rebranded, they're, they're changing. It's not yeah. going to be the same buttons on your Apple TV than it was, than right. it is right now. They're, they're melding a lot of this stuff uh, together. HBO Max, I think is going to go through some kind of rebranding soon. CBS All Access and Paramount coming, it all, it all makes sense. The point is right now, other than the Star Trek stuff, um, they don't, they, you know, they need more. It's about having more than just one show. Like the Mandalorian is a very popular show, but Disney plus recognizes they need more of that, which is why they're rolling out 50 other star Wars shows and a whole slate of MCU shows. They know that they need that. They need to ramp up You know all the reasons to go to their platform and fork out your credit card for another 10. 10- month yeah. the way that you do that is not these are uh, these legacy titles these <clears> massive <throat> archives but it's the it's the hot news show that you want to be a part mm-hmm. of that conversation that everyone's talking about again what's positive here is that the, the executives at paramount and at showtime and you know the people that are making a viacom have seen this show and said this could be that show so let's you know we're, we're liking what we're seeing let's let's reposition this in a way that it doesn't get lost on showtime uh, but, but you know it can be part of like the the new because showtime's cool right But like. It's not that cool. It's not as cool as HBO Showtime. When you think of Showtime, you think like old school cable television. Everyone now wants to be positioned themselves as like part of the new hotness of the streaming landscape. Whether that's the whatever comes out of this CBS All Access, Paramount Plus, that new entity, they need that. They need their Mandalorian. And if they think Halo can be that, that's a positive sign for people that are hoping the show is going to be good.
2: Completely agree with you, and and I'll, I'll put a gaming spin on this to simply say this is literally what they're trying to do with game pass as well in the sense that yeah in the sense that you need compelling original exclusive things to your platform to get people to want to subscribe to it so um i was in a club and i won't i won't name this person because i don't know this person wants to be named but i was in a clubhouse with a person from xbox a few weeks ago who has been on the set of this halo show and this person was very excited about what we're about to see with it. So kind of like you're saying, Gary, if the execs at Viacom are seeing this as well, and they go, wow, this could be a flagship title for us, put it on Paramount Plus, because this is our new thing that we want people subscribing to. So you take it from Showtime, you put it there, and guess what, if Halo is that good, I'm, I already subscribed because cause I'm a Star Trek nerd, but that would get me to subscribe to Paramount Plus if Halo is a must, watch thing it's very similar to what disney plus is doing right now with the mandalorian and now wandavision you're going to subscribe to disney plus because you want to watch those shows right so the same thing could apply here with paramount plus and halo so i'm excited for it i I hope i hope it's exactly what we're thinking it's going to be and winds up being this must watch sci-fi show set in the halo universe
1: yeah, it's got to be a bummer for the Showtime execs, So, Obviously, we've been working on this show now, like helping shepherd it on the network side. And then, you know, you get the call from up above, you know, from the executive office saying, hey, great job. In fact, we like what you did so much. We're going to take it away from you and put it on another <laughs> network. There's probably some people that are, that are a bit pissed off today. But again, for the for Halo fans, the people that we care about, this is very, very positive. And again, it, it marries with what Paris is hearing. It marries with the little... that I've been... Uh, seeing and hearing the, the coming out of the Halo show that it has, it, I, I feel like there's a very, very good chance they got it right. And this is going to be a Halo show that fans, are, fans of the the game and people that are coming to it not even knowing what Halo is, because you've got to serve that audience as well, right? Can't just be for gamers. Um, are going to be, my prediction is that the Halo show's going to be a hit and people will like it.
0: I I love that prediction. I hope it's true, Gary, because the Halo TV show is everything I wanted and more. But we got to get the heck out of here. So here's a quick update for you. Your games with gold for March 2021. Warface Breakout, March 1st to the 31st. Vicious Attack, Llama Apocalypse, March 16th to April 15th. Metal Slug 3, March 1st to the 15th. Port Royale 3, March 16th. To the 30th. All those games are coming to you through the month of March, coming in at a grand total of $64.96 and 3,200 gamer score. So make sure to hit that ga- download button. Just get it into your library, whether you download it fully or not. At least you own it and you have it moving forward. And our final update for you, something that we are going to go in depth on and talk about next week, is the big demo weekend starting right now for Outriders. Now, I say it's a weekend, but really, it's going to go on forever. This demo starts February 25th. Players can access the demo completely for free without pre-purchase. They will have the opportunity to play as all four classes, level them up to level seven. Will they earn the fourth character ability? Players' progress will transfer to the main game as long as they play on the same platform, meaning Xbox to Xbox, PlayStation to PlayStation, steam to steam no steam does not transfer over to the epic game store so please remember that and players can stream the demo and it supports full cross play this is something we're really excited about Paris. i know you're gonna have a small thing to say about it but one thing i wanted to say is like hey check out the demo we'll talk about it next week and the coolest part the demo lasts forever it's not going anywhere it's not a time thing Paris, some hype words before i say goodbye about okay, that game.
2: I, I know we got to get real quick. I'm gonna address one thing. I'm gonna break the fourth wall. I know the sun is like literally in my <laughs> eyes. It's the time of the day we record. It's hilarious. I got to figure it out because there's a window like right, right in front of me. I'll figure it out. But as far as Outriders go, um, right before the pandemic, it was the last event I got to attend. So I got to play a preview build a year ago. And it was fantastic. I mean, it's people can fly, make it they did. Gears uh, gears Judgment. They did Bulletstorm, I believe. And it's a nice blend of Gears and it's like a looter shooter like Destiny as well. Squad base, four different characters. It, it's going to be fantastic. Trust me. My um, favorite word, crossplay. There you go. There you go. the that standard. So I'm excited for it. I will be on the demo this weekend and I uh, hope I run into some of you people online.
0: Heck All yeah. Right. We'll talk about it next week. And with that, that will conclude this week's kind of funny X Cast Your Home. For all things Xbox, that's Gary Whitta. That's Paris Lilly. I'm Snowbike Mike. And in On the Ones and Twos, Barrett Courtney. We got to get the heck out of here. Thank you for joining us for another awesome week of Xbox coverage. And we'll see you next week. Be good to one another. Be the catalyst for change. And play some games out there. See you, everybody.